Welcome back listeners to Why You Unspurs with me, Ian Wallace, my son, Casper Wallace, Peter and Simeon Wright, plus Matt Bowers. Welcome back, guys. We hope you enjoyed the other edition, other day's edition where we reflected on the marquee appointment of the quite extraordinary Antonio Conte. And today we welcome a very special guest aboard the podcast. Tonight, a Premier League footballer is fighting for his life in intensive care. Players and fans united at football grounds across the country today in support of Fabrice Mwamba as he battles for his life in hospital. We certainly want to say uh, a big thanks to everybody. Been inundated with good messages, obviously, everybody praying for Fabrice, which is very important, and that's been a real, real source of strength for the family, I have to say that. I can't remember if I actually saw him fall down, but became aware of it very quickly if I didn't. And then I saw team physio and then doctor running out and you could see them starting CPR. People say to me, are you upset? I said, no, I'm not upset in the sense that, you know, coming from Congo in Africa and coming to England, I never knew or I never thought one day I'd become a footballer. So for me to play the game in England, I live my dream. This game's taken away from me because of not because of the bad player, but just because of accident that I have no control of. But I still get to live the dream. It's not the end of the world. There's more to it and there's more to do things in life. This man will always be associated with our beloved club and might well be every Spurs fan's favourite former Arsenal player. It's a very good evening. Fabrice Mwamba. Fabrice, how are you? Hello. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Hi, Fabrice. Good to see you. We are absolutely thrilled to have you on the podcast, even though you've uh, obviously um, had your Arsenal background, but you know we are just thrilled to have you. We, we feel you're like one of our own, so... Uh, Straight away, we sort of just want to ask you. Yeah, you know, we've been talking in the podcast before about um, Antonio Conte potentially potentially being a game changer um, for Spurs. Do you think that's someone a manager you would have liked to play for? Yeah, I I spoke, I spoke about this a couple of, couple of days ago. I think with uh, Antonio Conte, you know, he's not messing around. Everybody know where every, every, everybody know where they stand. It's his way or no way. And and I think nowadays you need to have a manager who was you know bringing some type of discipline. And I think for me, I wouldn't I wouldn't have, would not have a problem to play for for a manager of that caliber at all because I know what to expect. I know what he expects from me. What you what you definitely see from Spurs team is that they'll be able to run around and chase the ball because if we look at the past six games, they have not been running around the way you you expect them. Do you, from your expert um, opinion, like from being a professional, tell, do you, tell us how you think he's different from Jose Mourinho. I mean, th- th- there is quite a few similarity, but I think he's he's one of the coaches that he brought the formation, the three-five-two formation. If you recall uh, the Chelsea game when they played Arsenal at, at Emirates, Chelsea uh, at Emirates, Chelsea lost the game, and the following week he changed formation, ditch who need to ditch, put it, put individual that need to be in the team. Change the formation three five two and they wanted to win the league. So you know that he's a taskmaster, and he's not afraid to make change. He's not afraid to to take people out of the you know to put it out you know regardless who who you are, if you're not doing the job you're out of the team. So he's not mm. afraid to do that. 
Yeah, I think we're, we're... Oh, sorry. Um, no, I was just saying, we're, we're just excited as Spurs fans because we think we have the makings of a good team and the, there's players that, like... I mean, you, you mentioned that they're that they are fit, but they haven't been running, I don't think, anywhere near enough for the likes yeah. of Nuno and for Jose. And there's definitely the makings of players who can, you know, really go to a different level under him. Yeah. And um, we've got a question. Well, I, 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 I totally agree. I said they also... They, you know, is 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 Italian. The the only thing they know is as a as a manager of Inter Milan to win the, the the league for the first time after ten years with Juve. Uh, he's managed Juventus to win the league with them. So you're getting a not that this is a top manager. So you're getting, mm. and I think he requires some type of hardware from the player. As long as they give it to him, what is required from them. You will see the Spurs flourishing, and you see Spurs play, play with a brand of football that you always wanted to see. But one thing you guarantee is they're going to work very hard for him. Um, Fabrice, we've got a question from the youngest member of uh, of the YE1 uh, Spurs podcast, Casper. Um, uh, obviously, with uh, the the new manager, how do you think players like Delhi, who over over since Pochettino left, have not been the best in training? How do you think he'll kind of Adapt under Conte, who's more of a well as, uh, as a manager. You give everybody a fair bit of chances, and then if you don't do what you expect them to do, then they have to bring a new body in. You know, you know, for for Spurs to convince that type of manager, that he has to have some word of if the boys are not doing what I'm asking them to do, then I need new blood into the to the team. So I expect people like Deliali to work even harder. I expect people like Ndombele to work harder. Yes, he's good on the ball, he does all the tricks, but the other side of it, he doesn't really do as well as you expect them to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right back, who's the, who's the Brazilian guy? The Brazilian Emerson, right. Royal. Emerson Royal, yeah. To defend even much better now, because you've got somebody who his team is basing on defending. So if, you, if you're not doing the job properly, they're like, I just feel like some of those guys have been getting away with it. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, and yes, Nuno's got a sack, but some of them are really not help themselves. So I think with Antonio Conte, if, if, if you look at what he has done with the likes of Ashley Young, who's gone to, you know, went for Man United and they went in there and they won the league. Victor Moses, who went yeah. into Inter Milan, turned himself around, top, top players. So he has a making of turning players to top players, but they have to do things his way. Mm. Um, can I ask you, Fabrice, um, yeah. you probably are off camera here, but uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, who do you think will thrive under under Conte of, of the Spurs players? I, I, I expect people like Lucas Moura, because you can see he's got that hard work and hunger determination in him. You know, uh, Son, you know, he does it regularly, in, in regardless of whatever manager you've got in front of him. Uh, Hoiberg to do the same thing. My only issue is how can we solve that defensive issue? That back four is, 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 has been an issue. You know, you can't kid yourself where if you watch the game against, if you record the game against Man United, some, the goal that you've considered, you could say it could have been defending best better. You know, so I, I believe you know, Ryan Merson has been, has been promoted to the first team, if I'm right. He is, yeah. Yeah, coach, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think the loss of Atanga and, you know, the, the one or two individuals when you, when you saw them over the summer, there was no replacement for it, and this is something that Poch was crying over every single season. Yeah. You know, he said, and you know, it took you, it took Spurs to the Champions League final, but in order for you to get back to that level, you need to in- inject new blood to the team. Mm. 
So I don't understand to the point where not back in Poch, but then now you end up in a position where now that like, you have to start putting big money now because he's not there anymore. Fabrice, do you feel, you know, you you are very much, you know, a player with a lot of energy, you know, box-to-box player. Do you feel you would fit into an Antonio Conte uh, 3-5-2 formation? And do you, and uh, no, laughing laughing aside, do you think that Spurs need a player um, like yourself, possibly? Because I I feel we need a player with a lot of energy in midfield. Um, Do you feel we need that? Um... Well, why not? You've got Hoiberg in midfield. You've got Ndombele. As you said, I agree. You don't have enough leg to run around the pitch to win the second ball. You don't really have that type of player anyway. Spurs are really they they don't really know for having a out out defensive midfield players. The one that you had the big team coming and took it away from you guys. And you know if Antonio Conte would find somebody who will win the ball. Ooh, especially, it doesn't have to be clever or do crazy stuff on the ball, but he's there to just run around, win the second ball, and give it to the people that are more creative, more minded than him. And that's what you want. For me, I think I could do a job. You know, it, the way the game is now, those positions become priceless. If you have a player of that caliber who's been able to win the ball and change from defensive to I mean, offensive within five seconds, you've got a winner into you. So. If you look at the best team in, in, in the country, Chelsea, they've got N'Golo Kante. Mm. You've yeah. got City, who've got Fernandino. Uh, you look at Liverpool, they've got Anderson. They've got Fabino. So you need that type of player in the team in, if, in order for you to be successful. And uh, Antonio Kante team usually have that type of player. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think we've had that type of player for such a long time. Um, and possibly we've got a player who... Um, we've purchased from Mets, who've got uh, Pape Matasar. Um, I don't know. Yeah. What, what do you think of him? Do you know too much about him? I've 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 not heard much about it. But obviously, there's a there's I think I think I've saw in the news, but I've not really heard much of him as a player. Okay. But obviously, if he comes in, I mean, Spurs have fought long and hard about it. Yeah. But to make that 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 type of move and to to purchase him. I just, I just sort of want to move on from um, Spurs a little bit now, um, and onto what you're up to now. Um, what, what, what sort of thing are you up to at the moment? Because we know you've sort of done your journalism degree. You know we're doing a lot of media stuff. Um, what, what, what are you sort of doing at the moment? Oh, I, um, I currently work for the PFA. So uh, I won the delegate liaison in, in a look after eight club up northwest. Yeah, I've like disciplinary and anything that's involved youth team players issue with the clubs so i'm more of a mediator between the players and the club and trying to find a, a solution that could help every, everybody yeah you've done that pretty much since you since you retired i think since you've you've been yeah. working in the pfa in a few few sort of roles but that one um for a while but i bet it's a really rewarding sort of role and come across a lot no of, i yeah I mean, what you're really trying to do is just trying to help the current generation of, of, of players. Um, not much the Premier League guys because they're, they're more well-funded by themselves. But I think the, the lower league, like the, the League 1 and League 2 guys, they need as much help as, as they can from the PFA. So it helps that we get a, I would say, current player that is relatable to some of them to be in a position where they can pick up a phone pick up a phone and call me and say, Fab, 
I've got this issue with the club and you can relate to them and trying to help them to the best of your ability. Yeah, have you been impressed with um, Maheta Malango? I think he's been in the role of, is it chief exec um, since, yeah. since sort of early, uh, late summer? Yeah, our new chief, chief exec has been um, very busy in terms of, because he's, he's replacing somebody who's been in the position for over 20 years. So to be able to yeah. get into a company where you, you know, a lot of things, a lot of things done in, in certain ways, so to try to change it, you have it will take time. Yeah. So we're going through that transition period, and we're trying to make things to look more smoother and more, and trying to reach more to current players. You know, it's important that we put we show our good image to, especially the younger players who's coming for the academy as well. Talk to them about PFA and what the PFA can offer. But my head has been very proactive in in all of that kind of stuff. What would you say, Fabrice, are your sort of goals for the uh, future? Do you think you'll carry on in that role? Have you got any other plans in football? No, you, you know, I think in football you want to test your ability. I think as, as any any ex-player will tell you, the best thing is when you stop playing football is to get involved and be even around coaching. So if, you know, and I've got all my coaching qualification come about, which is presentable, I, I, I wouldn't say no to it. You know, I'll, I'll look into it, and if it happened, it happened. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't put myself. I don't feel comfortable within. But the PFA has been good to me. Um, I, I love working for the PFA. It's been great that I'd be able to go to clubs, speak to young players, show them important of thinking about Plan B regarding to life after football. Just give them, a, a, you know, a, a picture of if this doesn't happen, then you can have some type of, uh, you know, a Plan B to rely on. Fabrice, hello there. You can't see me. Here's my hand, <laughs> just wiggling in front of you. Um, I was I was listening to you on Talk Sport the the other the other day, and um, I was fascinated with uh, sort of men's mental health and how all of a yeah. sudden, when all of a sudden your your sporting uh, sort of career ends abruptly, uh, or even when you know, players retire, so they have time to prepare. Yeah. You didn't have the time to prepare mentally for that. But um, how how do you advise, uh, you know, footballers about you know th- their sort of next career after football? Is that is that something you you advise with? I suppose it's quite difficult, but it's um... and it's not difficult because I I have to speak to young players nowadays in regarding to mental health. It's a it's a big thing in sport. And we see in society, guys who are playing at the top level, constantly under pressure. You've got the pressure from the media, pressure from social media, mm-hmm. the pressure of winning, you know, sports or the game that you're playing. Mm-hmm. And that could get a bit too much for an individual. So I, I feel like as somebody who's, you know, whose career has been stopped suddenly, it's important that to take away from the to take yourself away from the fire, take a brief. And watch from distance. Don't you know? Don't feel like you have to compete every every single time because it's impossible. You can't do that mm. as a person. Take you take take yourself away from the fire. Get yourself together and get back in again. You know mm. that's what you want to do because as a sports person, your 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 first thought is I want to do it. I want to do it all, all over again. But it does always happen like that. And I think current generation, they're all wanting to the one and now 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 now. Whereas you know if it doesn't work first time around, take a step back, have a look at the bigger picture. And go again. Hmm. For Bruce, yeah, you. I mean, you've worked as a coach for for Rochdale. I'm not, I'm not sure if you're still in that role, but I know you've uh, you've worked for um, for Rochdale as a coach, and also you your role at the PFA um, with players who are maybe a little bit lower down the pyramid than the guys who are 
you know, getting all the exposure on social media and having to see, it's like, I mean, I can imagine the amount of pressure that footballers are under and, and what they, you know, what they hear every day, what they read every day. But how do the players in the lower leagues react when they kind of scroll, I mean, scroll through social okay. media? The big the guys in the Premier League they have more exposure than the guy in the lower league. Yeah. And there's a different pressure playing in the lower league than a different pressure playing in in the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, the guys in the Premier League they're financially okay. They're financially well off. Okay. The guy in the lower league they're not as the similar level of financially as the Premier League player. So they emphasize on more of every single game we win, I have more money in my pocket, so that I can be able to feed my family. So that type of pressure, it's like you've got to perform really well on the pitch. When you play men football, especially in lower league, they're not on big money. They're on getting that free point, that free result, which means guys need to come in, work very hard, commit themselves to do the job properly and win a game. Whereas a Premier League lad, they might lose a game, but it'll still be okay to go on holiday. It'll still be okay to good life. So different pressure regarding to different division it always happened and and it's just part of the game really Fabrice if we can move away more now to England okay obviously you uh, played for England uh, under 21s 33 times um, do you sort of look back and think you know if you were playing for the England under 21s now that many times you would have been progressed into the England actual England squad do you think it's a different era when you were playing for the under 21s okay oh, yeah, I I think um, I always say this is not hard to get to. It's not really not being disrespectful to the guys that are playing now. They're now to get to the national team than it was ten years ago. Agreed. You have to all you have to look. You it takes you if you play for Chelsea, you play ten Premier League games, you score three goals. You're in and around the England first team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You play twenty games, you score five goals. You're more likely to start an England team. So it doesn't take much to get into the England team. So. And back then when I was playing, you had people like, you know, Michael Carrick, who was a Premier League and Champions League winner, couldn't even get into the England team. Yeah. You know, so a different generation have a different competition in terms of the place, the players that in, in front of you. So if I was playing now, I think I'll be, I have a very good chance to get in a team. But back then, I was happy that I had a better competition, which means I had to play better even to get rec- to get the, the recognition. Who who was in front of you, um, Fabrice, at the time? You mentioned Michael Carrick. Who was sort of in front of you in your yeah. position? You got Michael Carrick, Steven Gerrard, Scott Parker. No, uh, wow. Simpson. Yeah. yeah, just uh... <laughs> so the so the list is ended. Then those guys are playing Champions League. Whereas now, if I was playing, you know, who who would have thought that England would pick a player from Leeds to play for England? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. usually it used to be. Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham. That's the probably for the, for the England team. But now you see everybody. Yeah. You know, you got a guy, a goalkeeper from Burnley, who's, who's arguably should be England number one goalkeeper, Nick Polk. Yeah. So different generation and different way of thinking. The managers looking at a different way of you know bring bringing different players to the mix, which always bring a good healthy competition. Yeah, as as a Bolton player, how would you have felt walking into that? dressing room um, I mean you, if you get picked for England you know you're good enough but you're walking in you're seeing the likes of Lampard Gerard. people talk about it being quite a cliquey environment at that time do you think you would have been confident no, I, walking I, in there I, 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 I think as a player whenever you're amongst our player that as a probably player at the top level or higher than you you shouldn't feel 
anything about it. You should feel like, okay, I'm here now. Yeah. The reason why I'm here is because I deserve to be here. So my, my hard work has paid off. So you can't be shy about it. You have to just go about it and do, do the job rather than because sometimes you can get into that situation and you freeze. You almost like you don't want to know what to perform. Where, yeah, as a player, as a, you know, if you get to your, that position, you should actually embrace it, look forward to it because not many times you have this opportunity. If that's a one-off opportunity, then you've got to make the, the, the most of it and, and just enjoy everything that comes with it. Um, talking of missed opportunities or opportunities, do you think England reaching the final of uh, Euro 2020 this summer, do you think it was a bit of a missed opportunity there for us to win a major trophy? Um, I just think like you came across against a team who you knew that once they scored that, set, that, that equaliser, and they were going for the second goal. They 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 were they were better defend. They were probably the best defensive side in the whole tournament. Yeah. And prior to that, England never really faced anybody in terms of top team. Recall, you know, put Italy face. I think they played they played some top team in, before they get into the to the final. England never really really they they blew Germany off the park straight away. Yeah. They've never really faced anybody into the get to the final, and once they get to the final, it, it's anybody's game. And also, the experience that that team had it was just too much for England team. Maybe we kind of missed that opportunity to just get over the line. I think tactically, we might have we might have uh, in extra done, time possibly. Yeah, I think maybe the wrong decisions were made at the time. Right, you know there there there's a picture in social media where. Sako run dribble past Akilini and Kilini dragged him off. Like yeah. we literally yeah, put him yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Street I, I I don't think any of the back for England would do that. No, agreed. No, I agree. I don't think they would either. It just shows you the level of how far they were willing to go to win the final. So yeah. so if if he was a wing in England, they'll probably slight tackle him, but to literally you know, the guy said, I'm happy to take a yellow card as long as you don't go score past us. So the mentality of the talent, the way they defend, it was completely, different, completely different to England. Don't get me wrong, we had you know we had excitement, you know probably the first time you've seen the country be brought together, but being crushed at the same time from a, a penalty issue uh, where mm. a team who are, you know, you you can't Italy because they they were the best team from the first game of the tournament. Yeah, they were the yeah. game, the first game of the tournament. They were the best dressed team. Yes, <laughs> but, like, it's a, I think that's a cultural thing as well, like the the dark arts. I don't think we've ever had that in this country, really. And I don't think, I don't think, for example, a, a nation like the Netherlands or, or the Dutch, I don't think they would. They they've not won anything, and I think that's part of the reason why they haven't won anything. The reason why Italy have won four World Cups and however many Euros. I think it's just at the end of the day, like you, you're talking about the fine margins into extra time. That's really important that you can do that. Especially, mm. especially at 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 the top level, the small, the fan margin, the small margin makes a massive difference. That that example of you know Kellini literally grabbing Saka on his, yeah. you know, if that was a normal like game, it would have, it would have been sent off. Yeah. But it just shows how far this guy is, and that was the thing. The last ten or the last two minutes of the game before the game finished, he he went as far to do that. So. It was a good experience for the lads. Qatar is going to be very different. Oh yeah. Because you know you've got the heat, you've got 
the condition of where they're playing. You know, apparently they want to put air conditioning in every single stadium. I don't know how is that going to work. And the game, they, they can't play the game at two o'clock or the three o'clock in the afternoon. All have to, all game. Most of the game will probably probably, probably played in the evening. Mm. Even that though, you still yeah. you know quite sure to expect. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, um, Fabrice, just just sticking with Euro twenty twenty and um, you know something that will be <clears throat> that will be very much in your in your heart at the start of that tournament. The the Christian Eriksen, we're all Spurs fans, of course, and that touched all of us, and I imagine it would have touched you as well. And just how how did you feel watching? what happened with Ericsson and everyone coming together at that moment and also the happy ending that came out of it as well you know I'm, I'm sure that brought back a lot of no, feelings I, I think that the, 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 the Ericsson situation the best thing you could wish for is that he had the best medical care that was available to him at that particular time and the, you had the, the captain who was very much in forward mind thinking in terms of the body position to put Ericsson and then you know the, out, the best thing that about if you anything to remember about that tournament, the best thing about it was that Ericsson Ericsson mm-hmm. finished that tournament and he and, and he's still alive to this day. Yeah, because it would have been the worst tournament to lose a, fo- a former play, a current player into that accident because of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, so you know, for me, I always said that was probably the best thing that come out of this tournament is that Christian Ericsson is alive and is with his family, mm-hmm. and, and I think he had the best medical care that he needed on that day. Which they came together, work under pressure because the game stopped and everybody's watching. The whole European football, the whole European world were watching, you know, hoping for the better, better outcome. So that was for me. I think it's a a positive look. And Fabrice, um, I, I I don't know how true this is. I heard that you reached out to him pretty much very quickly after after the incident. Um, did did have you had a chance to speak to him? No, I I haven't had a chance to speak to him. I just as you know, sometimes because. It's a bit too much for him as well. So you, you, you give him time, you give him space. When the time is right, we'll be able to have a conversation. If, and if there's any question that he wants to ask me, I'm happy to answer it. And if there's a way that can help and guide him, then I'm, I'm more than happy to do that too. That's fantastic. What, what, what do you think, Fabrice, he's going through right now? Because it's, it's had a bit of time to, to think about it now. And um, it's, you know, it's been a while since, since it's happened. He's obviously not, not played a game since. And... <laughs> He, part of him probably still thinks that he can in the same way that you I think it was maybe six months or so um, mm. that you actually officially retired from the, the medical advice but where, where do you think obviously you can't really speak for him fully but where do you think his mind might be at right now Ericsson I, I think he's probably questioning himself thinking well what's my next move mm. um, you know, am I still fit enough to still play is it still going to happen again to me a lot of things that's probably going through his mind right now because I believe in Italy. Once you have a pacemaker put in, you're not allowed to play anymore. No, no, you're not. So it, it, there's a lot of things that he has to go through himself and his family to decide his next move. You know, I, I can only advise him, but at the end of the day, it is you know it's his own man. But I always said, you know, your health is better than you know. People said health is wealth. Believe in me, health is wealth. Seriously, and and right now he need to be healthy rather than worried about getting back in the to get to play the game of football. I'm sure he'll have many opportunity to be involved in some type of capacity, but he has to make that decision him by himself. Okay. That's a great quote. Health is wealth. Yeah. I, will, yeah. I will remember that every time I'm playing football now. <laughs> yeah. That's um, good. Fabrice, we, we've got um, 
between around the table we've got uh, six appearances at White Hart Lane. Five of them are for you, and one of them is uh, for Matt, who played um, as his thirtieth birthday present. Played at White Hart Lane. Exactly. Matt, I'll come around <laughs> so you can see me. So Matt's going to come around to show you what an athlete he is. But you've played there five times um, for Breeze. Matt's just coming around to show you. You've played there five times. What um what what have your what are your memories of uh what are your memories what's your memories of the old White Hart Lane and your five appearances there? Obviously it must be mixed emotions, but does does is it quite a special place for you? Yeah, I I I think um such a beautiful stadium with so much history behind it. And I think the club got to the position where you got kind of outgrown the place and it needed something newer. But, you know, you you can always remember the fun part where you come in a small tunnel and then, you know, the change room, all that kind of stuff. Now you come in there, everything is a bit away from each other. So, yeah, there's a much of improvement in terms of it's modern now, but I think the history behind the, the old one, you can't, you know, you can't forget that as well. So, no, it, it, it has uh, so many great memories in that place. I've had so many great memories. Yeah, I, I, I remember the... The, I was quite young at the time, but I remember that Birmingham game that you guys beat us. Was it yeah. McLeish's first game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And did, uh, did you? Um, I know you. There was a there was a tackle from Keane. He got sent off, and that was on you. Um, but did you did you have a like a sort of tackle with Gareth Bale that he? Yeah, I, I, yeah. so King done uh, King done me. Yeah, and my head went off. Then I knew Gareth was coming on the wing. I just went after him. So, yeah. but he was. Perfectly good tackle. It was, yeah. He, he, he had a. He, he Everyone twist, says that. He twist, he twist his ankle or something, didn't he? But he was very, he was very young. If, if if you recall, once he came back from that injury, that was him gone from strength to strength since that injury. So, yeah, <laughs> he came back in from that. He was just went from, you know. Yeah, and no, Larson, what a goal! I mean, that was incredible, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he dropped in the box, I think, turned it in and whipped it inside. Yeah, and, and and as a as a player, like an away player at White Hart Lane, did you just find it quite intimidating sometimes? You, you know, when you had Mo- Modric, yeah, you had Palacios, mm, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you had Crouchy, Van der Yeah, but we, we always knew that, especially after the Champions League game, you didn't fancy anyway. Ah, so after mm. a Tuesday game or Wednesday game. Because if you play, if because I, I remember when you played on a Tuesday, you always have a twelve o'clock kickoff on a on a Saturday or twelve forty five. A team used to come after you very 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 hard, and you didn't like it. So I remember this because when I was at Bolton as well, we played you guys twelve forty five on a Saturday. You guys had a game on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. and our team took we just let's just run after them. <laughs> and, what? I remember that. Was was that was that after? Would it have been after the the Inter? One where we were away. Yeah, yeah, they got the hat trick. Yeah, yeah, and we just said, just, just let us run after them, and that was it. And and I think guys up south, they don't fancy the cold weather up north. (laughs) Very, very true. (laughs) The wind whistling around the rebound. Do you um? But do you coming from an Arsenal background though? Do you sort of have like a little? Do you feel as though? See, I I feel as a Spurs fan. I'm sure around the table we all feel that we have a little bit of an affinity with you a little bit. Um, purely because of like you know what took place at White Hart Lane. Do you have like a? Do you feel you've got a bit of an affinity with the Spurs fans? 
Oh yeah, yeah. I have a, a great amount of respect for Spurs, and also they were very good to me. Uh, my accident, and even now, like you know, if I want to come to watch a game, they're like you're more than welcome anytime you want. So for me, I have great respect for Daniel Levy. Uh, not, people might not appreciate what he does at the football club, but to do what he has done for over years, you've got to respect the guys. You know, to 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 run the club that way, to be able to make the deal that he is able to do. Not everybody is able to do it in, in this world of football. Yeah, and um, sorry, Peter. Uh, can I ask you? Do, do you have much um, dealings with Levy or through your PFA work? Or no, 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 no. I don't. I don't have to do with Daniel Daniel at all. But I think uh, one or two of my colleagues who has direct link to him would be able to speak to him. Okay. If they, if there's anybody in trouble, basically they barely when you do when you do with Premier League club, they barely is very very much a, a, a smooth situation all the way through. Okay. Um, just one one last question on White Hart Lane. Um, when when you went back in, I think it was November um, of the year of your accident. Um, that must have been a very emotional uh, moment going back on the pitch that day. Yeah, I, I was. I wasn't quite sure. To be fair, I was more of a um, do I need to go back? Do I need to go back? But uh, after long thought about it, I'm just glad that I went in there and um, you know to put closure in, in everything. So yes, yeah, so it was difficult during the morning, the morning of it. Right. I'm just I'm happy that I was able to do it. Yeah. Um, Simeon and I, um, well, I, I saw that footage where you went back to the actual yeah. particular uh, spot where it happened, but Simeon and I were at that game that Saturday night so um, and sort of saw the whole thing unfolding. So to be sort of having this conversation with you here tonight, it's almost surreal, but it's also an honour to... Uh, no worries, uh, yeah. No, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's probably my, like, and for a lot of Spurs fans, I think would say the same. It's, it's a real, it's something you'll never forget. Um, you know, being, a, being at a game and witnessing something like that. And it's, it's yeah. something that most, like, you could go to a hundred football games, you could go to a thousand, five thousand football games in your life and something like that probably wouldn't happen. It's, it's something I'll, I'll never forget. And, yeah, the fact that we're talking to you here today and it's had this positive outcome, you you see it as a real as a real positive that you're that you're still here and you're and you know you're you're enjoying your life and it's it's quite emotional really. Yeah, just chatting to you. Uh, and you know, I, I, I have to I have to be able to I got a family. I got to be able to be yeah. bit everything. You got to you know be positive in things. You know, yes, I I could have my emotion all over the place. Feel sorry for myself, this and that, but. The most important thing that I'm able to have a conversation, live life, and be able to breathe. That's the most important thing to me. Yes, a wonderful attitude. Um, Fabrice, just to sort of wrap up, I sort of wanted just to ask a, um, a few questions um, of your like, playing career a little bit. I just want to ask, like, who is the best player you've ever played with? Oh, play with? Um, um, I would say play with Dennis Bergkamp. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, mm. okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you you come off the pitch, you think, wow, you know, I don't know how many times you get to do this, but, you know, I was fortunate enough that in later a stage of his career, you know, when, you know, his time was coming to him, I was able to, like, you know, train with him, play with him, so I was, that was uh, definitely one of the best players I played with. Yeah, what, as a player like him, why, why does he retire when he does? Because he was still... He was still getting fair game time, I think, for Arsenal in his last season, but he retired an Arsenal player. I'm just wondering, like, what what was the reason for him? Sort of... Maybe just yeah. his body. 
you know, yeah. in those time when you get to a certain age, when when you're twenty, when you're twenty years old, twenty years of age, it takes you one day to recover. Whereas here, when you're thirty five, thirty six, yeah. it takes you three or four days to get back to your normal self again. So, and he he, he had a wonderful career. He's definitely one of the Arsenal best to ever play for Arsenal. So, you know, he deserved every accolade that came his way. He deserved that trophy outside that 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 statue outside the stadium as well. So you can't argue with that. Yeah. Um, and just, just one last question. Who is the toughest player or the best player you ever played a- against? Uh, we were not sure of that post scores. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. The best, the best. I- I'll be very surprised if anybody will contradict me in regarding to his ability to... He's, he's almost like a two-step ahead of everybody in that pitch. You know, he's... When you think you've got him, he's away from you. You know, he's... Uh, yeah, he's the best I've seen in the Premier League by far. But what what is it with him though? Because he's you know he wasn't it wasn't a great runner with the ball. Was it was it just that he was just moved the ball quickly? He controlled the tempo of the game from his position. He didn't have to do much of a running to have an impact. But you would see, especially if you're playing against him, you know, if you feel like you're close to him, you're not actually very close to him. You're actually far away from him. You know, every single time you get close to him, he gets deeper. Yeah. And the deeper you get, the, the deeper he gets, the more it opens up space for other people to run yeah, in yeah. to hurt your team. Very smart. Mm. You know, it, it's a very, it's a very calculated player. Everything he did was it was on it was more purpose. And I mean, he, he scored some of the most amazing goals in, in the Premier League yeah. history. But his distribution in in that middle of the park is the best I've seen. You know, people talk about Lampard, Gerrard, the scores. I don't think that's even a, a topic. You, you can't even think about it like that because. Scores had, and also he was a bit. It was nasty as well. Do you know what I mean? You know, it was nasty in the, in the sense in the sense that he would leave one on you. Yeah. Problem. Yeah. He would leave one on you. It's no problem. Yeah. But he was able to take it and control the game. And I said, he, there's not many players nowadays like that. Yeah. What, what was it like as well? Like when I mean, just even just discounting the incredible players that are on the pitch for Man United, but you've got Sir Alex Ferguson, who's like this juggernaut on the side of the pitch, and it's like. Did you did you ever think about him when you were playing? Did you ever hear him? Was he a shouter? You know, when you play Man United, they, they, I owe you. What people don't realize that they, I think they look for they look for the team and they'll target an individual, and mm. everything will go through that individual. Mm. So if you have a left back who never played at Old Trafford, every every everything that will go, everything attacking Man United wise will come from the left hand side, mm. because he never played at Old Trafford. He never experienced that type of noise. He never experienced that type of pressure. And he's up against Brian Diggs or Ronaldo or Tevez. Mm-hmm. Well, so, yes. if now for 90 minutes, they're constantly <laughs> at you, at you, at you all the time. So, that's a very, very clever way of, of, yeah. of, 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 of doing things, you know. But I said, they, they, you know, when my United came in, he says, for them, it was more like a, a business thing. You, they, even if they play away from home, they come in. They do the job and they get back in the coach and they go home. Mm-hmm. You know, they do what they weren't lingering around, they weren't shopping share or for the, no, it was we come in, we do a job and we go home. That's really interesting. Um Fabrice as well, just just in your career, you know, obviously you had a great career. Um, but was there was there any rumours of you, sort of any transfer rumours, or was there any clubs you pretty much nearly went to? Yeah, the, the, I mean, my last year, Bolton, and oh, I was most close to go back to, to go back to come back to London to sign for Fulham. Okay. 
but that just never come to fruition for whatever, whatever reason. Um, I think Roy, Roy Hodgson just took over the team uh, and then they go to the final of the Europa, Europa Cup. They did well and they're looking to bring in more blood into the team. So, And there's a conversation there, but that never come to fruition. So, Is, is that a big regret or...? No, 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 there's no regret, there's no regret, there's no regret, no, at all, I never had no regret, I think, for me, you know, coming from the Congo, I never knew I would become a footballer, yeah. I believe the dream, I live most kids dream, my career cut short, not because I wanted to cut short, because of the health reason, and for the for the best for the best for me and my family, so, I look at it, I have no regret, I enjoy every single moment, and and, and that, that's it for me, really. Yeah, are, you, are you still based in London? You. Nah, when... I live in Manchester. Right, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, just, just taking you back to those very, very early, just at the start of your, I mean, just coming up as a youngster, uh, I'm always intrigued. What is it about uh, when you started out that made you feel that you could make it to the highest level as a as a player? Because as a bang average player myself, I just... Oh, no, no, no. I'm always intrigued, you know, like, um, could you do things that other kids couldn't do when you were, no, when you were I, youngster? The, 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 there wasn't no magic. I just think I just, I just worked very hard. I just worked very hard on my game. I wanted to improve. I wanted to stay outside after training and work on my game. Um, it was sometimes people are very quick when they finish training, they get back inside, have a shower and just go, go back to the normal life again. Whereas me, it was more like I just want to improve whatever weakness I had in my game, I want to work on it to get better. And, you know, the statistics says if you probably touch the ball more than 24 hours in a week, you have a better chance of becoming a footballer than somebody who touched two, two hours per week. So the key is to have contact with the ball as many times as you can. Yeah, the ball becomes your friend, really. Friend, so everywhere yeah. you go, you have a review. So, and if, you know, just that type of, intensity of mentality and you know not it's not guaranteed to be as you know a, a smooth fly but as long as you put in the work you know you have a better chance than, than, than most people that's brilliant fabrice it's been absolutely fantastic having you on here i, I think so I, don't, guys. I don't know i don't know about uh, the rest of the guys but i think i really will take away health as well <laughs> yes absolutely, oh, absolutely. Yeah. it's and been I, a pleasure yeah, yeah. it's yeah. been a it's real pleasure yeah, yeah so Thank you so much, Fabrice. And yeah. um, we hope to keep to keep seeing you, whether it's as a coach or on TV. I've seen you doing punditry at a few games here and there, but we just want to sort of keep you keep you involved in football because yeah. And yeah. I, I, I said uh, when the opportunity come about, I'm sure I'll be able to be given more more chances as well. Yeah, hope so. Brilliant. Thanks, Fabrice. No worries. So thank you, guys. Speak Cheers, soon. Cheers, Fabrice. Been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Fabrice. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs> Thank you, Fabrice Muamba. That was a wonderful, wow. awesome. wonderful experience. It's amazing Fabrice. when you when he's talking about these players. Sorry. Yeah, that's Just incredible. Isn't incredible. It? Skulls. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I actually think he is my favourite uh, Arsenal player, ex-Arsenal player. Oh, he's probably is. Yeah. He's got. Yeah. Probably is. Yeah. He's always going to have that. We said yeah, it. He's yeah. always going to have that affection. Not. Yeah. Not Campbell. Yeah. <laughs> I think we end it there. I think I think I think <laughs> we'll wrap up the podcast. Yeah, there's a candlelit table at the Bricklayer's Arms. Yeah, with his name on it. Yeah, we we, we cannot <laughs> mention. Him and his wife are welcome anytime. We cannot mention Sol Campbell. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening again. It's been a wonderful have Fabrice Moramba on there. Casper, you enjoyed that. I did. Yeah. Great insight, Sim. Brilliant. Thanks yeah, for getting uh, uh, Fabrice on. Wonderful. You enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Enjoy really going to the Netherlands tomorrow for uh, oh, scouting. That's going to be great, yeah. Yeah, yeah I can't wait if my, if my test comes back negative. Enjoy, enjoy. Are you on holiday? On Sunday, yeah. Off to the Netherlands. Uh, Peter, brilliant. Thanks for having you on. Thank enjoyed you. it? Uh, loved it, yeah. Great Thank insight. You. Matthew, great. Having you back after a year. Absolutely loved it. Don't, no. don't leave it so long. Love, love being here. Oh, brilliant. Thanks, Thank you. Thanks for listening, listeners. Keep spreading the word, especially keep spreading the word on our Fabrice Muamba special. Thanks, guys. Bye. Cheers, guys.